0: Hello, everybody. This is Keith Music Man Hanalek with Charles Denler, and I uh, just recently covered his release, Portraits in Season Live. Hi, Charles. Oh, great to be here. Yeah, good having you on board today. I appreciate your time. So, you. a lot of questions always run through my head here when I want to talk to an artist, and really enjoyed your album tremendously. Um, Thank you. Yep. The only thing that I regretted was the fact that I hadn't heard the 2015 version, which I'm sure is quite different. Um, But I did really enjoy this interpretation that you made with the uh, orchestra. So maybe you could give a little background on, you know, how things started with the first version and what brought you to this point to release Portraits in a Season live
1: yeah the the first version i had been working with um the boulder philharmonic for a pre- premiere back in 2015 and i had created um a digital version of the the suite um with uh digital performer my sequencing program and then of course with uh, a notation program i use finale and um and so it just seemed appropriate to have something at the concert premiere, um, even though it was sort of a digital uh, version. It actually was quite, quite realistic. Um, and some of the tracks are pretty hard to tell the difference between a live orchestra and the virtual orchestra. And um, I just wanted to have something for, for the audience. So I, so I did an initial release of a virtual version, also for students and composers. I, I, always, I always like to demonstrate that, you know, you can actually make virtual orchestras sound fairly realistic if if you if you do the programming. And so it was a good opportunity for me to do that too. So, yeah.
0: Okay. Was there uh, any particular influences as far as the classical artists are concerned with this?
1: Um, as far as musical influences, um, I don't know if I could pick like one composer and say this is that. Um, I think musically my styles sort of reflect my film work, you know, as a film composer. So my sensibilities are not quite as academic when I approach classical music, meaning I'm not purposefully trying to incorporate certain modes or 12-tone scales or anything like that. I'm just trying to write for music, you know, and, and that's my goal is to Sort of reach people, not to to share my intellectual prowess with them. Um, so, so the, the music has a lot of those what I call just uh, very common sensibilities that make it palatable for a wider audience. But the true influence would be um, a lot of my uh, readings and studies studies of the uh, the author Henry David Thoreau, um, in particular Walden, but a lot of his autumnal uh, hints and. Um, his, a lot of his seasonal writings, because this suite sort of takes us through um, the, the seasons, the four seasons, um, using that as sort of a basis for the metaphor of life itself, starting with spring and, you know, as a child and then growing older and moving into our, our winter season and finding mm-hmm. and relishing those times. So I think my biggest influence would probably be uh, Henry David
0: Thoreau. Interesting. There, there's so many parallels. Uh, and as I get older myself, I realize that they're more evident. And especially when I get some realizations listening to music like yours and others, how you're using that theme of the seasons or the environment or creatures of the earth and how we're all connected and how we go through changes. It, it's, it's really prolific once that light bulb comes on and you realize That's the way the earth spins every day, you know, and that's what it means. That's what it means to me anyway. You know, and that's what I got from you. Um, I didn't realize you had uh, pulled from the poets. You know, when you hear music like that, you're thinking, oh, he must be influenced by some of the greats like Bach and so forth. But um, that's interesting. And you created all this music yourself, composed it, and that was what drove you, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean I I, I try to keep I've definitely listened to the the masterworks, you know, the Box, the Beethoven's, the Brahms and all of that, but, but you know, and and I've studied music theory and all of those things and I try to forget a lot of that stuff personally when I'm writing. I I, I don't want a lot of influences. I I don't necessarily want somebody to say, Hey, he sounds like this Work. Right. You know, I, I don't mind a little bit of that, but I don't want that to be an, a, a sort of an overt characteristic of my music. I really kind of want it to stand on its own, which I think is the goal of all of us as artists.
0: So it's not cerebral, it's more the flow from within and your feelings and contemplating different things, and this happens to be poems in the seasons. True, and, and, and I, you know,
1: there There are a lot of schools of thought, right? Some, you know, in academia, if you're studying composition in a lot of universities or schools of music, they're going to want more of a cerebral approach. They're going to want you to sort of approach music from a thoughtful perspective when, you know, I'll teach students theory and upper levels of theory, and then I always tell them, well, but if you're going to compose something, try to forget all this. Because, you know, a lot of this, a lot of our modern music theory is based on these concepts that Bach introduced hundreds of years ago. They're stale. They're old. There's really no reason for us to keep trying to emulate that as musicians. I I think we need to just move forward and build on things that are more current. Like, for instance, I listen to a lot of, uh, certainly a lot of Aaron Copland. And I love that sort of sensibility of the dissonance and resolve. But yet there's a contemporary pop element to a lot of his music. Is like Appalachian Spring, um, based on Simple Gifts, and so that's where I try to encourage students. Is like, look, don't don't start with Beethoven because we've been building off of Beethoven for two hundred years. Start with somebody a little more current. Start with start with uh, John Williams. Build off of some of his works. But Please don't let your foundation be a two hundred year old dead composer. <laughs> Nobody wants that anymore. They, they they don't want that. We don't want to hear another Beethoven. Nobody wants another Beethoven. We have Beethoven.
0: Interesting you brought that up because recently, I see well, two or three months ago actually, I covered um, an album by Robin Spielberg, piano player. I don't know if you're familiar with her. But oh, yeah. she I love Robin. Well, she has an entire album where she modified a lot of the classic songs, made them their own. I thought it was terrific, so. Absolutely, and that's completely different. When when
1: we're taking something and we're, we're bringing fresh light to it, Max Richter, for instance, came out with this album called um, uh, Recomposed, and the album basically took Vivaldi's four seasons and sort of rediscovered them for a modern audience. Now, to me, that's bringing sort of a fresh wind and sort of infusing freshness like with, with what Robin did with the classical pieces, um, and and other uh, friends of mine, composers have done something similar with classical pieces. What I what I tell people though is like don't <clears throat> don't base your current writing on the older classical pieces. If you want to reintroduce a classical piece and kind of make it a little more palatable for a modern audience, but it's still all these four seasons. It just happens to have a you know a moog and sense and all sorts of cool instrumentation in the background. Um, but when, when I'm approaching composition, I try to tell students, it's like, look, you gotta, you've got to think forward. You've got to build on what's already current. Um, what are people listening to? If you're, if you're going to release a, a New Age piano album, for instance, what are people listening to? Are you going to listen to or let, let the influence be 40-year-old New Age piano music? Or are you going to listen to what's trending and build off of that? So, and there's certainly a balance there. We don't want to forget the past, but at the same time, I, I run into a lot of musicians who are just like trying to like, I'm going to be the 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 the, the bronze of the 21st century, and I'm like, no, how about you be you, and build off the people that are um, already popular, in modern contemporary repertoire, um, and I think that's where that's where I sort of differ as a I'm also a professor, and I teach music theory and all these things. And where, where I often differ from my contemporary colleagues in other universities is I, I tell students, please don't, please don't try to s- sort of reinvent the past. You, 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 if, if we keep doing that, um, we're never going to move forward. Um, now, stuff like Robin, what Robin did, that's totally different, and I'm totally th- headed in a different direction in my thought process. Um, I think it's important like for instance a modern symphony orchestras in, in America one of the reasons they're struggling so bad is because it's all masterworks it's all Beethoven it's all Mozart and, and so they'll say let's have uh, brewskis with Bach or, or beers with Beethoven and they try to like basically rap the same music and sort of try to present it to the audience Hope that they can keep selling the same music over and over again. What Robin is doing is Robin is saying, I'm going to take a Bach piece and I'm going to make it my own, completely different. Or Max Richter, I'm going to I'm going to take Vivaldi and I'm going to make it cool. You know, I'm going to write it the way Vivaldi would write it if he were writing it today. Um, I think it's important that we are pushing the medium forward, especially in the classroom.
0: Realm. I like your thought process there. Makes sense. Yeah. The energy's um really coming from within. And I like the fact that you're so progressive and you don't have to look back. You can, you know, give your nod to all the greats and say, you know, I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for you, but this is what I want to do. You know, I like yeah. that. So, you said you've done a lot of film scores and so forth. Um, how many film scores and actual recorded works do you have out there right now? I've written music for
1: for probably at this point a little over two hundred films uh, in television programs, so quite a bit in the the, the film and television world um, i as an as an artist um, I started with a lot of singer songwriter but um, in the past. I would say seven years, I've really focused more on neoclassical, instrumental. Uh, my symphony does include some choirs, but there's uh, my first symphony anyhow, um, but they're singing in Latin and it's more of a film type of ambient. call, not sure you direct them singing in front of a choir type of thing. Um, and so i'm I'm starting to move more toward the the concert to serious um you know, classism at this point in my career
0: okay well um just thinking, have you ever thought about putting any of your music out on vinyl, particularly um uh, the last one that you just released? But as a matter of fact, <clears throat> this
1: this this uh, recent album portraits in season is going to be released on vinyl, um, and so uh, it'll it'll be released in, in two ways. The the vinyl albums will be packaged with a CD, um, and then uh, CDs if if people would rather have CDs, and then of course the streaming platforms. And this is the first time I've released an album in vinyl, so I'm like I mean over the top excited. To actually take my music and sit it on a record player and play it back I mean I want to hear all of the scratches and all of that and the dust across yeah. the needle I'm so excited about that
0: that's great I'm looking forward to it and hearing that version of it because I do think there's a big difference listening to vinyl and looking forward to putting that up on the vinyl site as well oh, thank you thank you so you released this April ninth. How long was the process before you got to the point where you said, "Okay, let's get this into production and get it out there"? Oh, man, <clears throat> forever,
1: forever. forever. Cause like, oh, forever. Because when I, I when I premiered it in 2015 with the Boulder Philharmonic, and and I I played piano um, with the orchestra because this is a very piano centric. Um, orchestral suite. Um, you know, I, I really wanted to to actually record it with a live orchestra. But super expensive. And so I mean it, it adds so much to the bottom line when you when you gotta hire, you know, fifty to sixty players to, to to play and to record and the engineers and um so it and honestly, it took me until this past year to finally um, say, "All right, I'm going to pull. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to do this." And um, so I put the money aside and and just just did it. And I worked with John Holzner. Um He's a Grammy a four or five time Grammy award winning recording engineer and uh, James Fitzpatrick in the City of Prague Philharmonic, and um, finally got it recorded. But it's like, I love, the great thing about solo piano is it doesn't cost me much because I'm a recording engineer by, by rote. And so, you know, I just record it and put it out there. And you've got to record an entire orchestra and you've got to put all that money up front with the reality that the CD is going to sell for the same price as a solo piano CD. Um, I, I try to tell people that I'm like, look, it's so expensive to record these orchestral albums. My first Symphony was around sixty thousand dollars. <throat> and but the but the download on iTunes was still a buck between <laughs> right. my solo piano which cost me nothing, and my symphony, which cost me like sixty grand. It still made a buck. <laughs> so oh, the profit margins don't increase with how much we invest. So I really had to weigh that out, but I'm glad I did it and I'm glad it's getting out there and and the reviews have been really positive and audience response has been really
0: positive. And um, I'm just thankful to finally get it out there. That's good. So how many copies of the vinyl are being printed? 300, 500? You know, I just did 200 because I want to test it. I've never released vinyl and it's,
1: as you know, it's super expensive. <laughs> it um, and and you know, you're never going to get that money back, right? Um, so, I'm, I just did the the first one is just 200. I'll, I'll see how how the audience responds to them. I, I thought, you know, perhaps bundling each vinyl album with a CD might get uh, more of a positive response. I didn't. But the, the album I'm selling the albums for like 28 dollars each, and that includes the CD. So I feel like that's a, a good value. Um, it is. Mm-hmm. So. So well, we'll see. I mean, I mean, I make like you know, as you know, not a whole lot um, <laughs> with each sale, but but getting my work out there, I feel like it's going to help make make a contribution,
0: right? So I I don't know what your age is. I couldn't guess, but I was just wondering what you listened to growing up. Um,
1: <clears throat> I I listened to. Some classical, a lot of sort of classical piano. Um, I loved, like, Simon and Garfunkel. I really, mm-hmm. really enjoyed that. And then I would listen to, like, some Brahms and things like that and sort of really tried to study study some of the, the masters and glean from them. Um, um, then I listened to, like, groups like Maynard Ferguson, for those who are into, like, the big brass Wall of sounds type of thing. Um Chuck me and Joan really loved because uh, 'cause I'm a trumpet player originally and um a player and really loved what he was he was doing with albums like Feel So Good and Children of Sanchez. Um Love like Keith Jar Jer- <clears throat> excuse me. Jarrett, Um you know, our some of our more uh, thoughtful jazz piano composers. Mm-hmm. Um so those are those are some of my influences. You like Chuck Korea? Love Chuck Korea. I mean, he's the guy that helped pioneer uh sort of the modern V version of the player piano. Um you know, I mean he 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 really brought a lot of innovation. And uh man, I, I appreciated his contribution
0: big time. Yeah, that's for sure. He had a super group and did a lot of great solo work too, so yeah well, um, I can't think of anything more to ask you at this point charles and and do a, really appreciate your time and look at this online and get it out there and hopefully people give it a good listen and spur them on to go get your music. Oh, well, thank you, Keith. I appreciate it. Thanks for all your time. Have a great day. All right, you too. Take care. All right, bye bye.